I'm going to skip a little bit and then fill in the rest of the story for you. But Luke 7, 36 says, And one of the Pharisees desired him, that's Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and it wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Drop down, please, to verse 48, and we see at the end of the story, I'll fill the rest in in a moment, but at the end of the story, this is what Jesus said to the woman. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat and meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. I want to speak to you this morning on a very simple subject, very simple thoughts. Learning at the feet of Jesus. Learning at the feet of Jesus. I believe the most sacred spot on earth is for us to kneel at the feet of Jesus in communion with Him and in worship of Him. This is an amazing story. Jesus in the house of Simon the Pharisee. You see the reaction we read in verse 39 of Simon, uh, in a sense rebuking, uh, he thought within himself, he didn't say it out loud, but he rebuked the Lord in his heart for allowing this sinner woman to touch him. Jesus had a few choice words to say to Simon. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on those briefly in just a moment. But I want to give you from five different examples in the Scripture where someone was at the feet of Jesus, I'd like to draw five lessons from those five stories. I know we don't have time to dig deeply into each story. We'll just kind of touch the surface of each one. But there's a very valuable lesson. These are very valuable lessons that people learned at the feet of Jesus. The last three verses we read gives us our first lesson from this story, and that is that what we learn when we come to the feet of Jesus is that He wants to forgive our sins. He wants to forgive our sins. Jesus is the one who knows the most about us. He knows the worst about us, and He loves us just the same. And there's not one person on the face of this earth whom Jesus does not want to forgive or whom He cannot forgive. This is a wonderful discovery. All false religions in this world, you can study all the false religions of this world and you'll find three things in common. They all want a relationship with their Creator. They call the Creator by different names. They all have different terminology for what they, how they describe things in their religion, but they all want to know their God. The second thing they all have in common is they want forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> Every human being has an innate sense of guilt in his heart for the things he has done wrong, and he wants somehow to find uh, that absolved. He wants to find a way to get that cleansed from his record. And everybody on the face of the earth wants forgiveness of sins. The third thing every religion, every false religion has in common, or every human being has in common, maybe I should say, is that we want a place of eternal paradise. That second thing is addressed right here in this story. This is, the, this is one of the most basic desires of a man's heart. He wants to know that his sins can be forgiven. This woman came to Jesus with tears. 
She came with worship in her heart. She came with confession in her heart and she knelt at Jesus' feet. And it is interesting that, it is, that, that we have pointed out here in verse 37, this woman, which was a sinner, that doesn't just mean she was like everyone else. It means she was a notable sinner. She had a stained record and everyone knew it. She was a, uh, she was, she was a woman that everyone, you called her name and everyone, oh, she's one of those kind. She was known for the kind of life she was living. Simon said, if you knew who this was in his heart, he said, if you knew who this was, you wouldn't let this woman touch you. But I want you to know something today. Jesus has a different perspective on the value of, pers of people's lives than we do. He knows about each one of us. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. David said in Psalm 139 in verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. David said, you know all about me. And you and I seated here this morning, we may not be guilty of this woman's particular sins, but all of us are sinful people. All of us have hearts that are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Let me read for you the description of the sinner from Romans chapter 3, beginning, beginning in verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the description of you and I as lost sinners. And Jesus knows all about that. But the wonderful news is, although we are so desperately sinful, He loves us and wants to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In, in uh, Isaiah 1, 18, the Bible says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He wants to forgive us. He wants to pardon us. He wants to release us from the bondage of sin. As he said to the woman in John chapter 8 who was taken in the act of adultery, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Not only does he want to forgive our sins, but he wants to make it look as though we never had a sinful past. He wants to clothe us with his righteousness. And I want to say to you this morning that he wants to give us a world of peace and comfort. He wants to satisfy that second desire I mentioned earlier in the heart of a man wanting forgiveness of sins. God wants to meet that need in our lives. And he wants to send us away as he did with this woman in verse 50. Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. He wants to send us away forgiven and at peace. Simon is an interesting character here, a Pharisee. You know what a Pharisee was, perhaps. We also use that term to describe a certain attitude. And I want to say this about him. He had, he had two things in his heart. Number one, he had indignation for this sinner woman. Before we jump all over Simon for his poor attitude, we ought to think about our own hearts sometimes when we look at others with prejudiced eyes. 
or we look at others with judgmental attitudes, people who look a certain way or are of a certain color or ethnicity or have certain characteristics or people who have certain sins. Oh, that's such a wicked thing there. We're all in the same condition when we're lost without Jesus. We're sinners. And the ground is level. You've heard that before. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And Simon had indignation for the sinner. And listen to this thought. Simon had disrespect for the Savior. If he were a prophet, he would have known. Well, Jesus begins to tell him a story about, two, uh, about a certain creditor which had two debtors and one owed little and one owed much and both of their debts were forgiven and Jesus' question was, uh, which of these men would be most grateful? And he said, well, I suppose the one who, who was forgiven much. And Jesus had some lessons for him, but the point is this, Simon grossly, misunder, I'm sorry, Simon grossly underestimated the heart of Jesus. He misunderstood the heart of Christ. We need to learn to see people through the eyes of Jesus and remember that Jesus is the same today in His ability and His willingness to save sinners, to forgive our sins, and Jesus wants to do that for you today if you've never come to Him. May I encourage you to come to the feet of Jesus today and let Him forgive your sins. And so that's the first lesson we learn. Our sins, which are many, our sins which may be secret, or they may be open, they can be forgiven. And if you'll kneel at His feet today, you can find forgiveness of sins. Would you look at the very next chapter in your Bible, Luke chapter 8, and go all the way down to verse 41. <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, uh, verse uh, 26, Luke 8, verse 26. I'm going to briefly touch three stories in this chapter. Verse 26, and they, Jesus and the apostles, it's referring to here, arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, and, uh, which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. Now this time when he fell down before Jesus, it was the demons talking. And without reading the entire story, Jesus cast the demons out of this man and he came back in verse 35, if you'll drop down to verse 35. Then they went out to see, that, uh, see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. That's an interesting story, isn't it? I hope you'll take the time to read that story. But here we find a man who was full of demons, delivered from demon possession. He sat down at the feet of the one who delivered him. Drop down to verse 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would uh, come, uh, come into his house. For he had, only, only, he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue... I'll, let me stop right there. Here's this, this daughter, or this man named Jairus, came with a daughter who was about to die. Uh, later in the story, the last few verses of this chapter, you'll find that Jesus went into that house and raised that daughter. They said she's dead. Jesus said she's not dead. He raised her from her sickness. So we have a man delivered from demon possessions, demon possession. We have a daughter delivered from an illness that was about to take her life. 
And then in verse 43, go back to verse 43, please. A woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the, her issue of blood stanched. Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was hid, not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what she had touched him, what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. So here we have three stories delivered from demon possession, delivered from a deadly illness, and delivered from a lifelong ailment that was limiting her life. Here's the second lesson I want you to see from learning at Jesus' feet, and that is Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus wants to set you free. These, these stories could be applied to, well, we're, we're looking for a God who can make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about Jesus being able to deliver you from what is, what is keeping you from living the life He intends for you to live. Jesus wants to set you free from what is binding you. She learned all of these people, the, the demon-possessed man, the woman with the issue of blood, and Jairus and his daughter, they all learned that Jesus is merciful and He wants to do great things in our lives. Can I ask you this morning, what is holding you back? What is binding you? What is troubling you? What is the deepest need of your heart? If you'll reach out to Him and fall at His feet, He will minister to you. He will deliver you. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered him up freely for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So what's keeping you from serving Jesus this morning? Just take the one example of this woman with the issue of blood. You can understand without digging into the details of that story, you can understand that this was an ailment that so limited her life. It was something she dealt with constantly every single day that hindered her, that bound her, that limited her. And I want to say to you today that Jesus wants to deliver you from whatever it is that is limiting you from serving Him to your full potential. He wants to use your life to a great degree, and He can if you'll come and kneel at His feet. Maybe there are people here today who are bound by some sinful habit or addiction. If you'll humble yourself at His feet, He has the power to deliver you. He has the power to give you strength to overcome. And I want us to think about what we could do for Jesus and what we could do uh, in, in, in ministry, what God could use us to do if we had complete liberty and freedom to serve Jesus Christ. So we see this morning Jesus wants to forgive our sins. He wants to set us free. Would you go with me please to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went, and again referring to Jesus and His disciples, as they went that He entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received Him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, notice please here, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to Him and said, Lord, dost Thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. <coughs> and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. 
Martha's busy preparing the meal and wanting to serve, and there's nothing wrong with serving. Serving others is a wonderful Christian virtue, but she was so consumed with serving while Mary was consumed with sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from Jesus. And the Lord's rebuke of Martha being overburdened with the serving and his commendation of Mary choosing the good part gives us our third lesson this morning. And that is this, not only does Jesus want to forgive your sins, not only does he want to set you free from what is hindering you as you try to live for him, but Jesus just wants you. He just wants you. Here is Mary sitting at his feet and hearing his word. Do you know what Jesus wants from us more than anything else? Successful service? No. Great achievement? No. Great results? No. A wonderful reputation among the people of God? No. He wants you to come to him and be with him. Isn't that a powerful thought? He wants us to sit at his feet like Mary and hear his word. He wants us to worship him. Do you know the thing God most desires from us is our worship? In John chapter 21, We have the story of Peter who had denied Jesus three times and Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee and they're out in a boat fishing. He calls them to the shore and in the conversation he has with Peter, he asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What is the Lord asking Peter at that point? He's asking him, do I have your heart? I want our relationship to be restored. You're so concerned about your sin and its effect on your heart and you, you want to go back to fishing, but I'm concerned about you being back in good fellowship with me. I want a good relationship with you and I'll do whatever it takes to draw you back to myself. But I need to know, do you love me? Do I have your heart? It's very easy for us to lose our, our or to put our focus on the wrong things. We, we focus on fruitfulness. We focus on performance and success and achievement. But I want us to know this morning, there will be no success or achievement. There will be no fruitfulness if there is no fellowship. There will be no success for the Lord if there is no relationship with the Lord. And if you'll come to the feet of Jesus this morning, you can learn this lesson right here. You can lose your worry about fruitfulness if you'll focus on fellowship. We often get so cumbered even with good work that we fail to get alone with him and just sit at his feet. And can I tell you why that is the good part? That's an interesting phrase Jesus used there. This is the good part. I believe it's the good part because of what the Lord wants to do in us, not just what the Lord wants to do through us. Jim Elliott said, so many of us are intent on doing something for God we forget that his main work is to make something of us. And while we're trying to do for him, he's trying to work in us. He's trying to fit us for heaven. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, where? In you, shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We've got to learn something. This is a hard lesson. But there's more good accomplished in a few minutes at the feet of Jesus, hearing his word and worshiping him, than we can accomplish in a whole day's worth of our own efforts in trying to serve him. That may be one of the hardest life lessons to learn, the value of time with God. We get up in the morning and we have so much to do and we have so much to accomplish. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read our Bible But the God who's so worthy of our service, everything we can do for him, he's worthy of all of it. But what he wants more is just us. 
just us. Someone might say, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I'm, I'm doing my best. And I would challenge you by saying the best you can do is to sit at his feet and just be with him. Now go with me to the next book of the Bible, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We've learned this morning that Jesus, if we'll kneel at his feet, he wants to forgive our sins. He wants to set us free. He wants us. He desires our presence. Isn't that a marvelous thought right there? The God of the universe who doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He desires our presence. John 11, beginning in verse 1, we have the story of Lazarus who was sick. And they sent for Jesus. I won't read the whole story, but they sent for Jesus and said, Would you please come? Because he whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus tarried in the same place where he was four days. And he makes this statement. Um, in verse 4, When Jesus heard that, he saith, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So in this story, Mary and Martha were brokenhearted. Lazarus did die. And bereavement had come to this family. They were crying tears of anguish. If only Jesus had been there, Lazarus might not have died. And there are many times in our lives when we can say, if only, if only this might not have happened. If only this wouldn't have gone this way. It's been four days now and he is dead and it seems like nothing could be done about it. But finally, Jesus did come. In the story we find in verses 20 through 27, we find Jesus having a conversation with Martha. Can I read a little bit of that? Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again at the resurrection at the last day in the resurrection. Jesus said unto her, verse 30, or 25, I am the resurrection and the life. <clears throat> he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And in these verses we find Jesus having an, could I say it this way, an intellectual conversation with Martha. I want, I want to contrast these two responses. Let's look at Mary now. Jesus called for Mary, and Martha went and told her. Verse 32, please. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, look what she did. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I want you to notice the two responses here. Martha stood before the Lord and demanded answers. Think about this. Martha stood before the Lord and demanded answers. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, but I'm the resurrection and the life and your brother's going to live again. I know that, but if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus goes through the conversation. When he gets to the end, she says, I, I know, and I, yes, I believe. But he had to go through this process of reasoning with her because Martha demanded answers. When Mary came to Jesus, she fell down at his feet and said the same thing. If you had been here, my brother hadn't died. But I want you to notice Mary did not say it 
with a demanding tone as Martha did. Mary said it with tears. Look at verse 35 or 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Here's the fourth lesson I want to give you, and I need to move quickly here. Jesus weeps with you in your sorrow and grief. It says here, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And, and he said, verse 34, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Look at verse 35. Would you say those two words with me? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Think about this. Martha demanded answers, and Jesus took the time to answer. Tell me why. He answered. Mary just fell down at his feet and began to weep. Martha learned the sufficiency of God's grace through intellectual reasoning. Mary learned it through his tears. It's a powerful lesson. Martha heard a sermon. Mary heard him weep. Isn't that amazing? Can I assure you this morning that Jesus weeps with you in your grief? Mary learned the comfort of the Lord through his tears. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Can I tell you Jesus cares and he understands? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Our brother who prayed this morning just before I came up to preach referred to Jesus as one who has a tender heart. Isn't that good? Jesus has a tender heart. Now, I think sometimes with a gentle rebuke, he might say to us, as he says, says later in verse 39 and 40, he says, said I not unto thee? Didn't I tell you that Lazarus was going to live again? You, you didn't listen to me, but sometimes we get that gentle rebuke from the Lord. But I, I don't know if there's anything better than knowing that he weeps with us when we weep. Which reaction do you have to grief and sorrow? Do you look at the Lord and demand answers? And there's nothing wrong in our humanity with saying, Lord, why did this happen? I don't understand. I'm confused. I, 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 have, no, I have no comprehension of why you allowed this to happen in my life. There's nothing wrong with questioning that in our own humanity. But let's never go to God and demand anything from Him. Let's fall at His feet and learn that He will weep with us. Because he cares. He cares. I think about this story and I ask, what, what was the biggest miracle here? The biggest miracle, was it the uh, restoration or the resurrection of Lazarus? Was that the biggest thing that happened in this story? Because he did come walking out of that tomb and they had to take off his grave clothes, remember that? Or was the biggest miracle in this story the revelation of Jesus to Mary and Martha? I think the greatest thing in this story was they got to see Jesus like they had never seen him before. He told them in verse 4 that this is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. And the raising of Lazarus is all a planned event because Mary and Martha needed to see the heart of Jesus. And I don't know if there's anything would be greater this morning than for us to see the heart of Jesus as he weeps with us and find that his grace is sufficient. One more story very quickly in John 12. You might not even have to turn the page. <clears throat> the first three verses we find Mary 
in verse 3, who took a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with a hair. You know, it's an interesting thing that we've looked at five examples now of someone kneeling at the feet of Jesus, and three of those are Mary. I think she found a good place to be, don't you? She poured out a token of her love and a token of complete dedication of herself. She was criticized for it by Judas, who said this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. She was commended for it by the Lord. His commendation in verses 7 and 8, would you look at that with me, please? Then Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this, for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus rebuking them and saying what she did was the right thing. What this woman has done is a good thing. And here's the lesson we need to learn. It is always right to give Jesus your best. At the feet of Jesus, you'll learn that he deserves and is worthy of our best. She gave the best of her possessions, the best of her finances. He wants the first fruits of our increase. He asked us for that. He wants to be lavished upon with the best of our goods because where our treasure is, there our heart will follow. But not only the best of what we have, but the best of who we are. She gave him the best of herself. It's symbolized here that Mary had, or that Jesus had Mary's heart. He had her. Remember the third lesson we looked at? Jesus just wants you. And this anointing with a very costly box of ointment signified to the Lord that he had the heart of Mary and that he was worthy of her heart. Have you ever knelt at the feet of Jesus and just offered him yourself? He's worthy of your best. Let's go over these very quickly and I'm going to pray. Have you had your sins forgiven? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, if you will come and kneel at his feet, you'll learn he wants to forgive your sins. He'll, he wants to set you free. What is it that's troubling you and binding you and limiting your life? You want to give God more. You want to do more for him. You want to be more fruitful in service, but there's something holding you back. The Lord would love to set you free from that today. Do you understand that he just wants you? He doesn't want your achievements, your uh, successes. He just wants your heart. Do you know that his grace is sufficient and that he weeps with you? And have you given him the best that you have? Have you offered him your life? I believe every Christian ought to be able to look to the Lord in sincerity and say, Lord, here I am. I'll go wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want for as long as you want. I'm yours. Let's bow our heads together, please.